Today's Tuesday, September 3rd, 2019, and this week on the Birdland BS Podcast. The Ravens make it official with their 53. Our NFL primetime predictions makes its return. The Terps win big in their opener versus Howard. And the Orioles have some decisions to make for this year and the future. Stay tuned. So let's take it to the Birdland. That Baltimore home flavor is coming firsthand. Fred Scott and Ryan, tell them the word, man. Mixing a little BS to make it work, man. Sports, they got it. When excitement, the topic. Make sure when they toss you the ball, you don't drop it. With all that swag, you're going to listen regardless. Here comes the pitch, so it's time to get it started. It's Birdland BS. Yes, yes. What's up, BSers? <laughs> Fred and Scott in the studio. So lonely. Oh We're so lonely. Brian, <laughs> don't go away because I got to deal with his singing when you go away. Stop. We don't got our bartender here, man. That's the real problem. That here. is the real problem. That's man. the real problem. We miss you, Brian. Wish you were here, but uh, we'll You're make not. do. We'll make do. <laughs> Uh, so we got a lot to cover on the show, as always. Before we get into too much, we do want to make an announcement for, you know, all you guys out there that tune, guys and girls, let me make sure I get them in there, <laughs> guys and girls out there that, that tune in every week to the live show, uh, we've listened and we realized that for a long time this show has been going on at the same time, 8.45, and we realized that uh, on a Tuesday night, on an hour to an hour and a half show, it can be a little late. Uh, so we're going to make an announcement. We're going to make a change. We're, we're going to be switching next week and moving forward uh, to at a 7.30 Start time. Yeah. That's mainly for me, for this guy. <laughs> I was going to say it, but if you're going to go there, that's fine. I was also going to make the joke, even though he knows. I was going to be like, surprise, Brian. <laughs> yeah, so for me, getting out of here at 11 o'clock at night and then driving 45 minutes home, it becomes a very late night when you got to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. So uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it as much as I will, as we'll be coming on an hour and 15 minutes earlier. Yeah, man. it's uh, We'll get done earlier. We'll be able to get out of here earlier, get the, get this out to you guys earlier. Uh, so I'm excited for the change. It'll be it'll be a lot of fun for, for us. For sure. Well, if you guys are in the market to buy or sell a home and you want someone that's going to go to bat for you, call our guy John Scheffernacher over at Redfin because he's a Redfin agent now. John's been in the business for four years now and is dedicated to getting you the best deal possible. He's always available to take your call anytime, day or night. For you Oreo fans out there, you may know him as the sunglasses guy sitting behind the dugout with the orange button down and the black tie and a backwards hat. Give John a call today, 443-604-6298. Yeah, you guys hear me talk about it every week. John helped my wife and I buy our home. And I can't stress enough, Fred, you and I have talked about this multiple times. I cannot stress enough how much he takes care of his clients, not only just during the process of buying or selling your home, but actually after and above that's and beyond yeah it's something you don't see in a lot of realtors these days there's very few and far between out there and that's where you when you get a realtor that goes the extra mile you got to make sure that you use them so if you're in the market to buy or sell your home you're in the delaware pa virginia area make sure that you reach out to john tonight i want to get a phone call from john saying <laughs> why are you giving out my phone call my phone number at 8 45 at night so make sure you call him his number is 443-604-6298. You can also hit him up on his email at johnsheffa at gmail.com. That's J-O-N-S-C-H-E. 
B-I-R-D-L-A-N-D-B-E-F-F-A at gmail.com. And don't let forget to don't forget to let them know Birdland BS sent you. All right, Scott, man. It's it's the week eve, I guess you could say, of NFL football. Man, Ravens flock is excited out here. We got Kamal, we got uh Grammy Joel, we got Sam Steve, we got my nephew Nate out there. Nice. Everybody out there chiming in already. Uh I am excited to get into the first week of football. Yeah, I just want I'm just anxious to see what this team's going to look like. What the Lamar effect 2.0 is going to look like out there and what this offense as a whole is going to look like. There's just so much to be excited about and I know the, the Ravens this week, they they cut down to their 53-man roster. Uh, some guys that made the team that we thought would make the team and some guys that uh, were on the bubble that ended up not making the team. I think there was one surprise move out there for everybody. Uh, so we'll get into that here in a little bit. Yeah, I think overall when you look at the team and some of the moves they made, and, and you were actually on a, a YouTube, on SCG Sports YouTube yeah, last night. Yeah, big shout-out to Sonny and the guys for uh, doing that. Yeah, it was like a collab video with five of you guys. Uh, Steve chiming in. He says you did a good job last night. Appreciate it, sir. But it's one of those things when you when you look at the the setup and and how this panned out, mm-hmm. there were a few of those moves that to your point we're gonna talk about them in a minute that just took you and I off guard. Yeah, there's a few that went very well. Uh, one of them, I, I we got to hit it off the bat because you hit the nail on the head. You predicted this not just last week but two weeks ago mm-hmm. when you made the prediction that you really thought you were gonna see the two undrafted free agents in Makari and Alaka. And what are the two guys that make it? Makari and Alaka. Yeah, I mean, it made a lot of sense. Obviously, the the glaring issue going into this offseason was we're going to have some depth issues at inside linebacker, and we're going to have some depth issues at offensive line. These were two guys that they went about it the right way. Undrafted or not, they came in there and busted butt from day one before they put the shoulder pads on until the end of preseason week four and ultimately won the jobs. And, you know, I, obviously the Ravens are historically good at finding diamonds in the rough with these undrafted guys. And for me, Macari, yes, he's shown uh, a lot of promise on the offensive line. Again, an area that we we needed to address. But I think the, the bigger story here, and I think the, the guy that's going to make the bigger impact will be Alaka. This kid, maybe not this year, because he's got some guys that he's playing behind, but I think long term, this kid showed a lot of potential to me. Yeah, I mean, you, you had, <laughs> I can't, I, you can't say it any better than what you were saying. With everything that he did, he came out and he, he started a surprise. And people were like, he kind of started to get on people's radar. Right. But then ultimately, you made the call a little over two weeks ago when you said, this kid made the jump. Yeah. And he just continued to prove it. And here's my question to you. Does this kid start? No. I mean, he, he's he's still low on the depth chart. Okay. He's got some proving to do. He's got to show consistency behind it and that kind of thing. Look, I, I, I said it last night on the stream. I'm high on Peanut, Kenny Young, and you know Chris Board. I think these three guys will make us quickly forget about C.J. Mosley. We all know here in Baltimore, where his shortcomings were. It's it's you know, it's been glorified. We've all talked about it. But from a national perspective, we talked about this again last night on the show, nationally looking at CJ Mosley, you can understand where some people might say, well, that's that's some big shoes to fill. 
But I think this kind of linebacker by committee role with these guys, I think the combination of these guys' speed, their coverage ability, and their ability to stop the run, I don't think we're going to miss CJ as much as the national media out there wants to think we will. You know what I call this? I call this the football version of Moneyball. Right. Because when you look at it, you put those guys together, they can give you the production that you were getting out of CJ Mosley at a much lower value. Right. Than what, you know, a much lower cost then what it was going to cost you to keep C.J. Mosley. And we, to your point, we knew his pass coverage was, was poor, but these guys can make up for that right? without a doubt. And so to see that that change and see that adjustment, I think it makes sense. I think to bring these guys on, I agree with you. He's not going to lock is not going to be a starter, but it's just interesting to see that he makes this team and he makes a strong impact going into the first few games of the season this you know kind of committee situation will be interesting to see how they handle it for sure and and then the other i think surprising move and one that had a little people i guess scratching their head a little bit was uh veteran defensive lineman uh Willie Henry ended up getting <laughs> cut and you know what was crazy about it was he put a lot of work in in the offseason transforming his body and getting into better shape and doing all these things but at the end of the day i don't know if the weight played a part but he just didn't show up on tape for me. You know, there, there's a couple of guys in this camp that just, you know, you can't base everything that they've done on their track record. You have to base it on what they're doing for you now. What have you done for me Maybe lately, lately type right. thing, right? <laughs> and Willie Henry just did nothing in this preseason. So, and that was going to be my question to you. When you look at this, you know, I don't, you and I definitely didn't predict predict this move. No, most of the pundits out there did not predict this move. I don't. I personally actually don't know of anybody that actually predict predicted this. But when you look at everything, could the limited play factor from last year? I think he was only in four games total from last year. Do you think that also plays a role into what we saw in the preseason and we weren't able to see that fully last year? So you now you're not seeing it as much in the preseason either. Do you think that combination plays a thing, or do you think it's mainly just he didn't show up in preseason? I think the reason that he's ultimately not on this team is because they they saw what we saw in the preseason last year. They're ahead of it. They were ahead of the game, and that's why you didn't see him in as many games last year as we would Fair normally expect. You know, expect. But look, defensive line is one of the le the least of our worries. That's that's an area that we breed like a factory. <laughs> You know, if we can let guys like Willie Henry go, uh, one another undrafted guy that a lot of people were high on, the kid Gerald Willis, he ends up not making the team, not even going to the practice squad, ends up signing uh, with the Miami, Miami Dolphins, Dolphins, who we're going into this week. On their practice squad. Onto their practice squad, exactly. Well, he he went to the University of Miami. He's got ties tie. down there, so I get that. But uh, I'm not concerned about defensive line at all. I think it just came down to a straight-up numbers game. Again, we talked about this last week, Robin Peter to pay Paul. They had to find some depth at some other positions, offensive line being one of them. I yeah. think maybe the sacrifice for Henry was to open up a spot for a guy like Macari on the offensive line because it was the bigger concern. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it, it makes sense. You have that concern at O-line. That was our concern going into the season uh, and into the offseason, really, was what were they going to do with this offensive line? So to pick up, you know, a, a in my opinion, and I think you would agree, a pretty damn solid offensive lineman in Macari as an undrafted free agent is that diamond in that rough situation because exactly. this guy can do so much for you. He's he's going to be a little bit of a plug and play type type of guy, mm -hmm. and I think also you know kind of to get back to the defensive side of the ball for a second, there was another guy that 
you were high. You were a little high on. I I didn't think he was going to make this team, and he wound up not making this team. And Maurice Canaday. Yeah, Canaday. He's been very disappointing. Uh, the end of last year and all through training camp this year, uh, he was a guy that I thought might be able to step up in a role from from a depth perspective, especially with Tavon Young going down with the injury. Right. Um, but man, he he just did not look good in camp. Um, you know, I think worse in preseason too. John Harbaugh, obviously being a special teams guy, didn't want to let a a weapon from on special teams like Justin Bethel go. Uh, and I think Justin Bethel, even in a in a very backup type role, might be a better option at that slot corner position than Canada would be. And you get the benefits and rewards of him being a Pro Bowl special teams guy. Yeah, I mean the the thing with with Bethel, he I don't know from what I saw, especially in the preseason games. I mean he was going against guy, number two and number three guys, right? And he was still having some slight struggles in keeping up with them. They were still able to beat him. They were able to beat him to the sideline on a regular basis. So I honestly, while it tore, it was tearing to say whether Canada would make this team or not over mm-hmm. Bethel because we talked about Bethel yeah. last week. Right. I just thought Bethel made the struggle shoot because of that special teams coverage that he provides and that special teams ability that he provides. And we all know, like you said, John Harbaugh, we know where he comes from. We know what his right. background is. He is always, he has always leaned to a guy that can have some type of effect on the special teams. And Bethel's effect on the special teams I'm not going to say it's fully undeniable, but it doesn't go, un- go unnoticed. Right. And I agree with you. And let's, speaking of special, let's talk about the quarterback position, right? So we talked about it at nauseum whether this team was going to carry three quarterbacks. Does Trace McSorley do enough? Did he do enough to make the roster? Uh, both you and I agreed that he did do enough and that if you tried to sneak him onto the practice squad, somebody was going to end up scooping him up because he showed his ability and that he can be a capable quarterback in this league. He has a serviceable number two, potentially. He's going to need some work, and it's going to take time to develop, but I think any team that would be, I guess, vulnerable or quarterback hungry would see that in Trace McSorley. So you weren't going to be able to sneak him on the practice squad. But again, I think the thing with McSorley was – he was never in the plans to be drafted as a backup quarterback this year. He was drafted to be more of that gadget kind of player. And I think what we'll see is we'll see him in some of these special teams formations and maybe some of the two quarterback situations, maybe certain packages with him out on the field, that kind of thing. Because again, RG three, in my opinion is a top two, top three backup quarterback in this league. Right. And you invested two years in a contract to him. You don't draft another quarterback in the sixth round if that's your plan when you traditionally don't carry three quarterbacks. You drafted him because of his athletic ability and what he can bring to this team as a whole. And you made a good point last night in the collab video that you did. You talked about this, and you and I have talked about this before, but it made sense. The the people that are saying, oh, no, he's not going to be used in a gadget type role. We haven't even seen them use him exactly. in a gadget role in in-game situation. You know they've practiced it. We right. saw them practice it. 
Right. Well, so, because of the injury to RG3. He was thrust into the moment. He had to be. Exactly. Like he had no choice, so we didn't get to see that. And again, scheme-wise, the Ravens have never been one to kind of show their cards and show their tricks. They're going to play things very close to the vest and be very vanilla in these preseason games. Vanilla or not, somehow they've won 16 or 17 of these games in a row, regardless of being vanilla or not. But uh, I think we'll see some of Trace McSorley in this, definitely in certain formations and packages this year. Oh, agreed, agreed. And let's talk about some of the guys he was throwing to in the preseason, okay? Yeah. When we look at this wide receiving core, the, you made the prediction here. Mm-hmm. You said Jaleel Scott... Seth Roberts making the team. Wesley Floyd out. Yep. And they go with that. And they go with six. Yep. Which you predicted as well. I thought five. Right. They go with six. Were you... Su- I mean, obviously you weren't surprised, but... No. It's just... It's, it's a good combination. I was talking about this last night on that show. So there's a lot of people that make a big deal about the phrase number one receiver, right? Everybody wants that number one receiver, that sexy stud receiver, That's all fine and dandy if you've got one guy, but if you don't have a nucleus of other receivers around him, that one guy is not going to beat you. No one guy in football beats you. The quarterback is obviously the most important position to to a football team, but no one person is going to beat you. And I think, albeit the Ravens might not have that true number one receiver, these these six receivers complement yeah. each other very well and in the right packages can be very dangerous. And, and David on Facebook brings up Twin Towers and Scott and Boykin. Exactly. And that's that's 100% true. You know, we had we had some slight concerns when we were at training camp with some of the catches we were seeing that Scott wasn't making in training camp, but when it came to the preseason games, he was producing. He was able to he was able to show what he could do. Right. So to that effect, that's one of those things that you I think you and I have kind of talked about. For me, I was surprised with the six. I was expecting five. I, I thought the bubble guy, honestly, was Scott in that situation. Um, but when you look at... He just showed way too much, man. He he went from, in the beginning of the, of the... Before training camp started, I thought he was a long shot to make the roster. Draft pick or not, just based on what he did last year, the lack of what he did last year, I thought he was a long shot. From for him to go from that and in a couple of weeks of training camp and preseason to, in my opinion, he was a lock to make the roster. I mean, he made by far the biggest jump and the biggest improvement. Agreed. And when you look at it, you know, when you have and you talked about it here for a second ago, when you talked about not having that true number one, right. I think we all agree that we don't have a you don't have that guy that you look at him and go, if he's open, I'm throwing to him. Right. Every single time. Right. But when you've got three guys that you can go, okay. You got to account for all three. Exactly. And then you've got two guys that are behind that. Maybe even you can. the argument could be made for the third that are solid number three guys. Right. Oh, and let's not forget, you got to account for Mark Andrews because you might as well consider him a wide receiver too. And that's why I think this offense has such an opportunity to be so successful. What do all the experts out there call Lamar? Lamar, They basically say that Lamar is a running back that just so happens to play quarterback. Okay, line up against him like he's a running back. Right. <laughs> do that. All load, day long, please. Load, load the box up all day long because with the speed that we have on the outside, all they got to do is find a little bit of real estate and Lamar will dump the ball off and it's a house call. Yeah, it's it's gone and it, that dump off. You know who that's going to be to? It's going to be to Willie Sneed. 
Willie Sneed, Miles Boykin, Hollywood Brown. I don't Mark care. Andrews. Get them out in space. <laughs> Any of these guys. Like that was that's why I gave so much kudos to Eric DaCosta and what he was able to do in this first round. Uh, you know, in this in his first draft, he obviously went after a specific mold. He went after guys that had speed, guys that could be game changers, playmakers, that type of thing. Miles Boykin, you just look at him and you think, oh, he's one of those big body red zone type targets. <laughs> and he is, but he's got the speed of a Hollywood Brown. He's got that 4-4 type of speed. Maybe not quite Hollywood. <laughs> gonna, Maybe not quite say, Hollywood. Did you really just say not he's quite Hollywood? Hollywood. <laughs> but I guarantee you he's the second fastest wide receiver in that core. But you look at him and you would never think that. You would think he's that big body like, you know, a Michael Floyd. Michael Floyd is a big body red zone target, but he has no top end speed. Boykin has the whole deal. He has the whole package. The only thing I was worried about with Boykin was he did have a little bit of dropsies during the preseason games, and I'm hoping it was just jitters nerves. and nerves yeah. of it being a rookie and all that stuff. But Because he, he also made some really good contested catches. So there's just a lot to like about this wide receiver core as a whole yes. versus just any one individual. Yeah, agreed. And that's, you know, let's let's look at this. This is with Trace McSorley throw, throwing to them the ball and not Lamar, who's going to know this offense a little bit better than McSorley will, who's been you know a little bit more in tune with guys like Willie Sneed and Mark Andrews, and is going to find his way. From what I hear, the connection between him and Hollywood is off the charts. These two guys are hanging out left and right. It's if they're if they're ne- if they're in the side on the sideline, they're next to each other most of the time. Right. Uh, so from everything that I'm hearing, the connection is just there. Boykin isn't far behind on that connection from everything that we're hearing. So I, I think just when you look at the whole this wide receiver core, to your point, this is a scary wide. Res- this is a scary group of number twos and number threes. Yeah, and then speaking of scary groups, this team is going to be a run centric team. Right. With the ability to pass. We know that this team is going to be a run heavy team. Uh, Coach Evans talked about it last night on the show when we were talking. He thinks that as a group that this team could potentially rush for twenty three hundred to twenty five hundred yards. And I could see that happening without a shadow of a doubt. When you've got a group like this, you've got Mark Ingram who has never really been the bell cow for the Saints because he's been in that kind of split back role with him and Kamara. But it's worked well for him. It's worked really, really well for him. So he saved the mileage on his body. I think he comes in and has a big year. You have Gus Edwards, who sprung onto the scene last year as an undrafted guy. I feel like people are almost forgetting how productive he was in a little bit of time in a Marty Morningwig-led offense, mind you, how productive he was last year. For and, him to be able to to be a piece of this, and with him as your main back, to be able to have Ingram there as well, to also kind of do that that duality there with the two of them gives him a little bit of a break. You can pull him off and still run the same sim, same to similar run plays that you would run if you would put Edwards in, right? Which makes it great. And then you got Justice Hill with the breakaway. I'm going to sprinkle the little Jimmys on top, and the little Jimmys on top is Justice Hill. This kid has been so impressive to me. There, you know. Coming out of college, I didn't really know a whole lot about him. I watched his highlight tape, and from his highlight tape, he was just running away from guys. So you knew the kind of breakaway breakaway type speed he had. But what's been more impressive to me has been 
his lower body power, like his ability to break tackles, to drag defenders with him. I saw a, uh, a video going around a couple of weeks ago uh, of him when he was in college squatting like over 600 pounds. I didn't realize how strong this guy is. You know, I compared him to Darren Sproles and his ability to be shifty and his ability to kind of move around, but his power adds a whole nother dimension to his game that Darren Sproles doesn't have. Yeah, well, no, and when you look at it, too, uh, let's look at the fact that we don't have to worry about the injury-ridden Kenneth Dixon. Yeah, Mark, on, Mark on YouTube said, and Kenneth Dixon, oh, never mind, that's right. Yeah, he's... He uh, goes to the IR, and, and they can let him go. Hang on. So, Thank God. Right. Good riddance. So let me ask you this. It's a shame. What it, Was the Kenneth Dixon to IR move, was that a cop-out as far as you're concerned? No, Did you just I mean, didn't want to cut him at that point? No. I, the problem is he's got an injury. I mean, you saw him hobbling off the field in, in week four, and that's been his problem is he can't stay on the field. Every time this kid gets tackled, he comes up hobbling. Something's wrong with him. Uh, so, no, I think right now they're just kind of working through an injury settlement. Uh, Harbaugh said that he'll he'll be gone and finding another team elsewhere. And I wish him nothing the best. You know, I don't ever wish harm on anybody or bad to anybody. It's just it's been a bad run here in Baltimore. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. And when he has been on the field, he's had issues with fumbles. He's shown flashes of his athletic ability that he can be good and maybe a fresh start somewhere and the proper time for him to heal up will do him good, but it won't be here in Baltimore. Yeah, no, it's not going to be here in Baltimore at all. Uh, we're going to kind of wrap up the Ravens here with some unfortunately sad news. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you heard about this. We I haven't did. had the chance to talk about this. Uh, former Ravens offensive lineman Jeff Blackshear uh, passes away this week. The Ravens uh, release statement with their condolences to, to the family. Um, you know, with Blackshear's previous impact, it just... It's rough seeing, you know, he was never, I'm not going to say he was never an all pro type guy, right. but he, he, he contributed, he was a contributor, you know, but yeah. he, he never, he was never a standout type guy, but he, he was a contributor to, to the team. So really sad to see, yeah. see this thoughts and prayers go out to him and his family and uh, everybody that was affected by the incident. Uh, for all you fans out there, I see a lot of new names, a lot of new faces in the uh, the chat room. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, we do a segment at the end of the show every week, and it's after the show. It's called the After Hours, Last Call. If you guys have any other questions that you want us to answer about the Ravens or anything else that you guys want us to talk about, get your questions in now. Use that hashtag, that's BLBS, and we'll definitely bring it up after the show. Yeah, and uh, to answer one person's questions out there, sure. Dr Dranol on YouTube says, where can I get one of those shirts? Tell them where you can get it, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> birdlandbs.com if you go to the website there's a uh, little link at the top that says the gear there's the hashtag lamar effect shirts on there all of our birdland bs shirts on there really appreciate the support uh appreciate everybody and and, and all the shirts and all the hats that we've seen out it's, there it's time for some predictions fred it is time for some predictions but before we get there I see you got a beer in your hand. I've been letting mine sit over here, get a little warm. What are we drinking on this week? So this week is out of uh, Mount Airy, Maryland. Um, and for them, this is, you want to make sure, uh, whoops, I, I, I'm, you got me behind. See, Brian's not see, here. This is where we take Brian for granted. I, I know, Brian, Brian's not here and I can't, I can't do it. Um, so for, for this week, we've got, it's from Red Shedman Farm Brewery and Hop Yard out in Mount Airy. So not far from here, no. about a 40 minute drive for us from here. Good stuff. Um, and this stuff is pretty good. This is yeah. called this is called Barnstormer. This is actually their double IPA. We haven't had very many double IPAs on the show. A lot of IPAs. Yeah. Uh, this is actually a 
hazy double IPA. I like it. So this stuff is pretty smooth. We talked about it before the show when, when we tried it. This one was one that it's it's an IPA, but it doesn't have the bite. It's got no, more of that citrusy it's, taste. It's to definitely it. more citrusy. It's a smooth beer. But I'll tell you what, it's got a little bit of kick at eight percent ABV. So <laughs> two of these, three of these, and you'll be feeling real good. So make sure you stop by Liquor Stop, see our guy Jerry, or see any of the staff there. Tell them Birdland BS sent you. Get your Barnstormer and get ten percent off. And don't don't forget this week where he asked us to, to make an announcement. Yeah, they are actually going to be having uh, a Monument Brewing Company tasting this friday from 4 p.m to 7 p.m so make sure you get out there make sure you mention birdland bs usually just so you guys know when i went to the last one for port city they gave me a nice little like glass like a chalice glass yeah it was nice because just because i bought the beer and i we'd already tasted it and i bought it bought some more it was delicious and the guy was like here have a chalice i was like i'll take it man that crew up there if you go up there and tell jerry that birdland bs sent you he'll really take care of you all right, man. So last year we started this whole thing where we were doing prime time predictions. Go ahead and make that transition there, Scott. Smooth <laughs> as butter. Uh, we did this whole thing, prime time predictions. So we give our predictions for the Ravens game and all the prime time games. So Thursday night football, Sunday night football, and this week they've got two Monday night football games. So let's get into it. I mean, we obviously didn't really talk much about this week's game with the Ravens and the Dolphins. Because we left it for this. <laughs> and honestly, I really don't think there's a whole lot to talk about here. I mean, we've got the Dolphins who just basically traded away their entire team. I mean, anybody that was worth a damn is now gone out of Dolphins. And look, I get the bigger picture with this. They're going through a rebuild, and they've got a cluster of draft picks Come now. on, Tua! <laughs> Thank you for Tua. They got a cluster of draft picks. They got a crap ton of cap room going into next year. Yeah. So the Dolphins are going to be look are going to look totally different in the next year or two. Uh, but here's the oh, the wild card to this game, and that wild card is Ryan Fitzpatrick. You don't know what end of the bipolar Fitzpatrick you're going to get. You're either going to get four touchdowns and 400 yards, or you're going to get. Four interceptions and 100 yards. I was going to say minus four yards. Yeah, right. I mean, you just don't know. I can't imagine. I don't even know who he's throwing to. Is he throwing to, like, Bob from McDonald's anymore? Like, he got rid of Kenny Stills. I have no idea who's even on this team. <laughs> no. I, I, Kenyon Drake's, like, the only guy I know, and Lord knows he's probably crying right now because he just lost his best left tackle in Tunzel. Yeah, I don't, I don't know who he's going to throw to at all. It's going to be ridiculous. Uh, I've got this game as a ridiculous game. I got a 42-21 Ravens. I, I think it. they're going to run away with this game i love it i, I think this is a preseason game number five for the <laughs> ravens i really think that this is that. just a uh hey you'll actually get to see some of what this offense is actually going to look like they'll actually open up the playbook a little bit uh, i do think that the ravens end up winning this game pretty easily i've got it 30 to 17 uh brian is not here this week but he did send us in his predictions and he's got the ravens also winning 27 to 13 so we got this clean sweep clean sweep across the board all right so we got to make our our Guesses here against the Packers and Bears, the Thursday night game. I got to bring this up because this was effing hilarious and genius. Whoever thought of this in the NFL was genius on this part. Their marketing team is pretty damn good. They pull in. Um, oh, God. What's the guy's name? That does the play by play. Oh, Why Chris. Uh, Al Michaels. Al Michaels. I, I knew it wasn't Chris Collinsworth. No, Come it was by Chris Berman. Oh, yeah. Al Michaels is there at the podium. He's like, you know, 
we we reached the hundredth year in the NFL, and I don't know that anybody can can Hilarious. put that into perspective. And then you hear this, but I can, <laughs> and it's it is none other than freaking ninety seven year old Betty White. She's the only person that they could have found that would have any kind of recollection of what this NFL game looked like almost 100 years ago. Well, but then you have her comments, and they... they I'm not going to say they crossed the line, but they crossed the, the language line that I didn't think she's they were going to cross. hilarious. I love But they White. did. She, you know, they're like... She's like, this is just going to be a badass game, but there ain't nobody more badass... There can't be anything more badass in this game except for one person. And you're looking at it. I her. love it. And I thought it was great. And then they come back with her with the eye black on right before. Oh, it was perfect. Oh, it was, it was perfect. So we got the Packers at the Bears on th Thursday night football. The Bears are favored to win this by three and a half. This is that NFL classic rivalry, man. This is like probably one of the two or three biggest rivalries in the NFL for sure. And it's definitely one of the longest tenured rivalries. Peyton Manning got involved in the rivalry. This that, year that was pretty funny too. too. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, ESPN plus Peyton Manning, the bears. I <laughs> will just leave it at that. Go find it. All right. So I'll kind of start with this one, right? So you've got a lot of changes in green Bay, uh, you know, a changing in the guard on the defensive side with clay Matthews kind of moving on. Uh, and they kind of did him dirty too. Like just, the way that they treated him with his contract. And I mean, he was willing to take less money to stay yeah, there. Yeah, he said apparently. I was willing to take a pay cut to, to stay on the team. Yeah, they just kind of, that's that's the NFL, though. It's a business. Uh, and then obviously the big change at head coach with Matt LaFleur coming in and how that relationship with Aaron Rodgers is going to mend. Because let's, let's face it, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, and he kind of marches to the beat of his own drum. And if you don't fit within the, the, <laughs> the marching line of his drum line, he doesn't really like you very much. Uh, so we'll see how that that all works out. But I do think that if if I guess I don't know how to say this, but if Rodgers can kind of fall into line and really fall under LaFleur's tutelage in the sense that he doesn't go in there and just say, you know what, scratch that play. We're running this play. Scratch that play. We're running this play where he doesn't just take over like he has in the past. With other coordinators, uh, i.e. he cracked LaFleur cracks the whip <laughs> Rodgers. Hey, look, you got to do what you got to do. At some point, you got to show your rank. You are the head coach. I don't care if you're the star quarterback or not. If he can fall in, I think that this offense with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback will be ridiculous, but he's going up against a really, really tough defense in the Bears. Well, not only that, but the fact that you lose Matthews on this defense for the for the Packers, right? I, I, I question that. Are they going to really be able to do anything? I know it's Mitch Trubisky and, and the Bears offense who really are, are not going to put up much, but at the same time, are they going to be able to stop them with not really having any any solid defense for the Packers? Right. And then you have the Bears defense who last time they went up against the Packers put a hurting on Aaron Rodgers and what he in that offense last year. So when you look at that, to me, my pick, I'm going, duh, Bears. Duh, Bears. Duh, Bears. 30-17. to 17. All right, so I'm going the other way. I think that this you'll see a shift in the offense with the Packers. I think the Packers are going to rely more on their running game than they ever have in the in the Aaron Rodgers era. Uh, Aaron Jones, I think, is pressed to have a big year this year uh, because you can't just account for Aaron Rodgers. You have to account for him, and I think if they can get that, I don't know, 55-45 balance, 55% pass, 45% run, this offense can be dangerous again. 
and I think the Packers end up winning this in a very, very close game. I almost gave this to the Bears because it's in Chicago, but I do think the Packers pull this off late, 27-24. Oh, you got it a lot closer than I do. Yeah. Brian's got a 24-10 Packers as well. Sunday night. Uh, He's (laughs) right down the list. That does look like it. Sunday night football, we got the Steelers at the Patriots. Who are six-point favorites in this game. In the AARP Bowl. (laughs) I love it. I love it. These guys are definitely collecting. uh, What can AARP (laughs) do for you? I, I don't know. I mean, look. Can't knock him. Tom Brady at like 54 years old, however old he is at this point, <laughs> is still putting up He's ridiculous like numbers. Whatever. <laughs> he just won another Super Bowl. I think that's like 30 for him. I'm pretty sure he's got a ring for every toe at this point. Um, look, it's <laughs> for me, the Steelers lose too many weapons. They, you know, they they lost A B, which I know the cancer that he is in the locker room, but you can't underestimate the overall effect that he had on this team because having him out there improved the production of Juju Smith-Schuster, who is now the number one guy out there, and he's got to find a way to be that guy, to be the go-to guy. Uh, So when you have two weapons out there, and and obviously, you know, you lose Le'Veon Bell, who was another kind of cancer to the locker room and hadn't you know, been back and forth about his contract and all that stuff. So there's a lot of feel-good, like, ah, we released all these, you know, Bad karma, bad juju, <laughs> pun intended, bad juju guys to clear the locker room and to feel better. But at the end of the day, they were two very, very productive players. I got the Patriots winning this one 24-21. Okay. I actually went the other way for almost the exact same reasons, right? Juju is your number one. But when Juju was out there last year when A.B. wasn't on the field during that little whole ordeal, right? who stepped up? Vance McDonald. Mm-hmm. Tight end. I think he's poised to have a big year as well. I Let's do. not forget about your running back, James Conner. I'm not as sold on James Conner. Really? No, I, I think he had a good stretch, and I think he's a serviceable running back. I do think he's a good running back. I just don't think that he can be when you lose that many weapons around you. I don't think he can be the center focus and the guy in the backfield. I, I hope he proves me wrong because I do have him on one of my fantasy teams. But <laughs> I just don't think – I'm just not 100% sold on him. Yeah, I, I look at it and I say I, I think it makes sense. Like I get what you're saying, but on the same side of things with the with the Patriots, mm-hmm. uh, who, who does Tom Brady have to throw to? I mean, he's got his old man out there and Julian Edelman out there. He's got the uh, pot-smoking uh, Josh Gordon out when there. When he can get back on the field. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, he's been cleared. We, he, he, I know. He was, he's been cleared. Well, um, there's there's still rumors flying around with the Patriots that they may not allow him on the field because of the whole ordeal. Right. So there, you have that whole situation because Bill Belichick doesn't even want to talk about it. Look, Tom Brady, though, we're talking about Tom Brady. No, I, You can go mm-hmm. grab five grocery baggers from the, the nearest food lion and I'm pretty sure he'll make them into NFL caliber receivers. Look, Tom Brady is is good. He's very good. But he's also always, almost always been surrounded by above average wide receivers. Mm. Or guys with above defi- average potential. He's definitely had years where he's had guys that were above average potential at wide receivers or above average receivers, but he's also had some years where he's been really productive with next to nobody. He basically made Wes Welker. Wes Welker was shit (laughs) before he came to New England. I mean, yes, he had a couple of decent years out there in in Miami, but 
He was crap. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I, I don't know. I just I look at it. I, I look at it and I say, as much as it hurts me and pains me to say, I think the Steelers come away with this in a very close game. 31 I think I think they're I don't, gonna know. I, I don't I know. They I mean, make the surprise. You're, it's the Steelers and the Patriots. I guess you boo either way, no yeah. matter who wins this game, right? <laughs> yeah, boo you, Fred. Yeah. Boo you. Jesus. <laughs> Brian's got the Patriots winning this 24-21. Ah, same score. Interesting. <laughs> Monday night football. Does he have a camera in this studio uh, somewhere? He does. Monday night football. We got two games. Uh, we got a 7-30 game, the Texans at the Saints. Now, this game has kind of completely changed. It's look over the last couple of days obviously you had the running back uh i can't think of his name with the texans right now lamar miller that went down with the injury tore his acl he gone done for the year (laughs) right duke johnson kind of is now going to be the the feature back there or at least for the time being he'll be the feature back there uh jadavion Clowney has been rumored to be traded to a million and one teams including everybody in raven flock nation wanting him to come here uh, well, he had two teams that he wanted to go to, either Philadelphia or Seattle, and he ends up in Seattle. Seattle, uh, Seattle basically gave back nothing for him. They gave back like a, a third, bag of peanuts, a third round draft pick, which they'll probably get back in compensation, and then two basically nobody players for Jadavion Clowney. So this team, this team has kind of taken a, a shift. Now they did get Tunzel and they did get uh, Kenny Stills, and they gave up a boatload. To get Tunzel. They gave up two first round draft picks. This just goes to show how serious they are about protecting Deshaun Watson. I mean, Deshaun Watson was running for his life. Yeah, last year was ridiculous. Running for his life. Can, and you, imagine, had, can you imagine, by the way, see, speak, speaking of Texas and, and everything, can you imagine Deshaun Watson with Dak Prescott's line? Right. Oh, <laughs> like man. that would have been great because you think that's to your point, that's all he was doing was running for his life. So to, to make that move and get a guy like Tunzel. You had to give up something. Dick, Why not? Uh, Dwan says Wes Seller was never in Miami. Wes Welker was in Miami to start his career. I'm almost like 90% sure on that before, we'll that up. before he went to the Patriots. But Where's Brian? He can anyway. look this stuff up. Jeez, man. <laughs> All right. Texans, Saints. Look, the Saints, it's pretty much the same Saints team that we've seen year in and year out, minus, obviously, Mark Ingram. Uh, so now you've got Alvin Kamara there who's going to have to take on a little bit more of a, of a load, and I think he can handle that. Uh, I got the Saints winning this game 31-24. to 24. I got the Saints winning this game as well. Uh, similar score. I got actually I have a little higher for the Saints, a little lower for uh, the Texans. I got this 36-21. You know, Breeze, to your point, playing it, I think he's he's going to play at an elite level. You have the ability to, to run. Um, oh, gosh, what's his face? Number seven, can't even think of his damn oh, name Taysom right now. Hill. Taysom, Taysom, Taysom Hill. Hill. Yeah, so for, for me, I think I look at it and I just say there's too many weapons here. I think you continue to see them utilize him. Yes, they have no Mark Ingram, uh, but they'll 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 get through. Breeze always has. Breeze always will. That's all I have to say about that. All right, so the final game, Monday Night Football, and this has a little bit, I guess, of some Raven fan interest in it as Denver Broncos <laughs> end up going into Oakland to take on the Raiders. Here we go with the Flacco supporters versus the, the Lamar supporters, hon. Right. Again, and now we're out in Denver smoking some pot. Come <laughs> is on it, Is it a new place and a new Flacco, or is it the same old Joe that we've seen year in and year out? Well, what happens when you give Joe pot? I have no idea. Could, <laughs> Can you oh imagine my, Joe I think Flacco he just, more mellow? At that point, he's just asleep. <laughs> yeah, there, right? yeah, there's no more relaxed. He's just asleep. 
Uh, well, I mean, that's kind of what you and I have with this game with them. Let's just put it that way. I mean, you get this wide receiver core that the, the Raiders have pretty much developed over there. And we've said, you and I have said before, this this season is, is make or break for Derek Carr. Yeah. You have now put weapons around Derek Carr. If he can't perform, you it, it is no longer Brother, an excuse for Derek Carr. This kid is loaded with weapons around him at the wide receiver position. They went out and drafted, uh, a lot of people think, the best running back in the draft is yeah. Josh Jacobs and whatnot. So he's got all the weapons out there. Again, to your point, if he does, it's time for him to basically put up or shut up. I mean, he had great success early on in his career, the first year, year and a half that he was in the league. But then after that, he's just kind of fallen off the map. And so have the Raiders yeah. <laughs> as a team and as an organization. So for them, I do, think, the I do think that, look, they brought in a lot of controversial players. But I do think that if anybody can kind of pull the reins together and get it together and make sense of it all for football, I think John Gruden's that guy. I think he can do that. Um I've got the Raiders winning this game 20 to 13. I think we see the same old Joe in this game. I think it's the same old Joe. Uh, I think the Raiders pulled out in this one. I've got the Raiders going 24 21 in this game. Uh, for me, you know, to your point with everything with, with the Raiders and, and what they've developed, there is no reason for them to not perform, especially in this game. Going against the Broncos, a little bit of a depleted defense for the Broncos. Uh, so I, I expect them to have a huge game in this game uh, as far as being able to perform. Is it going to come to points on the board? Maybe not as much as you might think, uh, but I got it 24-21. What does Brian have this? Brian's got this one. Raiders 21-10. to So Brian and I are on the same picks every single team here. Scores are a little bit different, but we got the same schedule. So we'll see how that works out. <laughs> All right, Scott, it's time for a social media shout-out. There's been a ton of people in the comments room. We appreciate you guys all chiming in, uh, even giving some of the Browns fans in there some shit. I see it. I like <laughs> yeah, it. love it, man. <laughs> uh, let's do a quick rundown of who we got in there. We got Kamal, Gramey, Steve. Oh, is that Gramey or is that Graham? Uh, okay, you may be right. It may be Graham. Graham, if you're still watching. Uh, yeah, there's no way. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna try. Uh, yeah. I'm not even gonna try. Uh, my nephew Nate out there. What's up, Nate? Uh, Marty. Marty's been chiming in a lot here. Uh, Zach, obviously Brian watching. Sharon Sherry watching out there. Sharon Sherry, thank you, Sherry. I know she's always sharing out for us. We appreciate it. We appreciate everybody that shares the show. Sharon Sherry uh, has been here since the beginning. Day one. And day one has always been there, always sharing everything. So Our we appreciate supporter her. by far. We appreciate all you guys that are out there sharing everything. Uh, Drenol, uh, which she apparently said I did pronounce his name right thank earlier. Thank God you are here to pronounce <laughs> the names and not Brian. <laughs> thank God. Wait, wait, you're giving Brian shit? You're giving Brian shit? <laughs> I was one time. One time. We got Carlozo. <laughs> we got David. We got Kamal. We got Mark out there on YouTube. What's up, Mark? Hugh. Uh, Mark's been chiming in a lot as well. Yeah, love it, man. Love all the interactions out uh, there, guys. Let's see. I'm going through Joe, Joe Carlozo. Carlozo. <laughs> hey, yo. Kyle out there. He asked where I think he was in reference to the liquor liquor stop. So liquor stop up on Conowingo Road. Road in Bel Air. Uh, make sure you check them out. Zach Guthrie out there. Uh, one of our Bo, chores. what's up, Bo? What's up, Bo? With giving the bro hey, go man, Browns. I, thing, hey, man. I appreciate Come you on. tuning in. I don't care either way, man. <laughs> Just giving you shit. Your boy Gene. What's up, Gene? Shell and tell. We know that's Ryan out there. What's up, Ryan? <laughs> Rodney Dewine. Uh, let's see. 
And that looks like it's it for the people that are commenting. So we appreciate it. There's been a ton of you guys staying in here. You know, stay tuned for the after hour show. Make sure you use the hashtag that's BLBS. And that gets our attention in the chat room to, to get that as far as the comments at the end of the show. We'll bring those up. We also got a few stories for you guys at the end of yeah, the show. Yeah, for sure. So you want to stick around a few of them in uh, football related, which is really good. All right, Scott, we did some changing up and some shuffling out there. So. My co-host out there, Ryan for Shell Intel, I'm sure he's going to be amped up as we move the Turtles, the Terps, and rightfully so, up ahead one notch over the Orioles. Yes, because uh, it is that time of year. Yeah. Look, it's college football. It's football season, right? I couldn't be more excited for Saturdays now with college football going and the Terps. We went out there uh, Saturday down to University of Maryland. I went down there with Ryan and his family. Uh, beautiful day, but the sun was torturous. I mean, tortures. It was a nice, cool breeze outside, but the sun was just beating on you. I mean, within 10 minutes, you could cook an egg on my arm. I mean, that's how hot <laughs> and how sunburned I was. Just so you guys know, we normally have to adjust things for Fred because otherwise he looks like a lobster on camera. <laughs> so oh, it's real if bad he's sunburned, right now. It's even worse. <laughs> it's real bad right now. But look, if you haven't heard the news yet and you're a Terps fan, get out from underneath the rock that you're under. The Terps win. Big time, 79 to nothing. And look, I, I was talking to Ryan about this. We we got about uh, to halftime, and I want to say it was like 50-something or 55 to nothing or 56 to Biggest nothing. Biggest halftime, halftime lead that they've ever had. Yeah, and, and I was like, I want to see 100. I want to see 100 points on the scoreboard. And what was kind of cool is like they've got the old-time scorekeep, like scoreboard numbers up there where it's literally only two numbers. Right. Ryan and I were talking about it. We're like, double zero. I just want to see what happens. <laughs> like, do they go to double zeros? Do they try to squeeze a one in there? Is it just two Xs like it can't keep up? Like, what actually <laughs> happens with the scoreboard up there? And I, look, college football for me, it's it's different than the NFL. Like, you know, the NFL, there's the whole running the score up and the whole respect for your teammate and all that stuff. And there's still respect for your teammate in college football, but you've got... Ain't nobody gives a shit on the score. You just keep playing. You just keep going until the game is over. Put your foot on their throat. And that's always been, like, one of my, I guess issues with the University of Maryland is it's very rare that they have an opportunity to put their foot on somebody's <laughs> yeah. throat. But when you're there and when you have that opportunity, take advantage of it. And honestly, I thought going into this game, I thought Howard looking at the weapons they had, they had Kalon Newton, Kalen Newton, who is the brother of, Cam, of yeah. Cam Newton. He put up big numbers last year, again, against lower opponents and whatnot in the division that they're in. But he put up big numbers last year, and when you saw him out there on the field, he had a lot of the similar, as far as like motion and to be able to to scramble and that yeah. kind of stuff that to his brother. Uh, but yeah, the Terps were after him like a hawk all game long, all game long. They they I mean, you shut them out. It was you know, and <laughs> Mark's choking around saying, "Who did they play? Kenwood? I, look, <laughs> it might I, as well have been. I'd have been fine with them playing Kenwood and still putting their throat on, or their foot on those th kids' throats. I wouldn't have cared. Like for me, oh, it was so great to be on that end of a seventy-nine to nothing whooping. Well, and it, I think what made it even better for us was we saw the competition last year when we played that Ohio State game. Right. You're an Ohio State fan, but you you had a large appreciation during that game. 100%. You were at that game. Now you're at this game. You see the 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 changes and adjustments they're making. You see Josh Jackson come on strong. You know they're they're getting into their fourth star, their third and fourth starters, right? For QB and still putting points on the board. Yeah, 
And that just goes to show you what they can do. And they're bringing their number, their number two and number three defense out, and they're still shutting out Howard. And that was the beauty part about this was, you know, I did expect the Terps to win this game pretty handedly. I didn't think it'd be like this. I did expect them to be pretty handed. I didn't think we'd see as many guys as we got to see in this game. To, to your point, they did have the third string and fourth string guys out there. I mean, they went as as deep as they possibly could on their bench. Anybody Which is beautiful. Anybody that had a red uniform on, I'm pretty sure played a snap in that game. I mean, that's how deep they got into this game. Uh, we got to see all four quarterbacks. Now, granted. Lance Lejean and Tyler DeSue didn't play a whole lot, and it was really just in the very end of the fourth quarter where they were they weren't really giving him any chances to throw. But Lance Lejean had a couple of runs that showed his you know his ability to scramble. What, what we saw out of high school, exactly. Him. He had two. I want to say like fifteen yard gains. I think he had like total of thirty yards rushing. But the the biggest thing for me from the quarterback position was I had a lot of questions about Josh Jackson. I wasn't 100% sure on what this kid would look like in this offense. And for him to go out there and throw 15 to 24 for 245 yards and four touchdowns basically in one half. Yeah. Cuz he did that all basically in the in the first half. Man, it was impressive. It was very impressive to see him do that and he he, he was so poised in the pocket when even at times where the the line kind of let somebody slip by a little bit, right? He was still he was able to move around it. He was able to to scramble a little bit. It looked good. He didn't have to do it often, which I love to see out of the line, right? Because that's exactly what the way you want your line to play. It was against Howard Bison. We'll see what happens when they go up against a little bit tougher defense like a Penn State, um, you know, later on this month. But when you look at things, just to see this overall picture. They executed on all levels, yeah, on all levels, and that's exactly what you want to see. If you can pick apart anything from a seventy-nine to nothing win and put your finger on anything that they needed to improve on, it was one hundred percent the offensive line. The offensive line struggled early on in this game. Now, I did find out uh, through uh, Twitter today that they actually made a change at left tackle in the start of the second quarter that I didn't realize during the game. They went to, I can't think of the kid's name right now, but he's the new incoming freshman, uh, and he didn't give up any sacks in three quarters of play. So there was that improvement later on in the game. But early on, Howard was playing cover zero. They were just straight up coming after the quarterback. And what impressed me was Josh Jackson's ability, to your point, to kind of navigate through all that, still get the ball out. And Dante Demas made them pay on a couple occasions in this game. Yeah, and that's the thing. When when you have Jackson, who you know not only was able to scramble left and right, but he was able to step up into the pocket when he's feeling pressure coming from the side, right. step up into the pocket, find the hole, and find the open receiver. And that's exactly what you expect him to do. This guy is everything we wanted and more. And this this game, again, I know it's against Howard Bison. It's not top-tier level defense. But this game goes to show you how big of a move this transfer was. Coming out of Virginia Tech and Locks getting this kid. Yeah. Amazing. Speaking of transfers, we got a chance to see the two young defensive stars who hadn't really had a whole lot of time to get acclimated to the defense and whatnot. You had Shaq Smith and you had Keandre Jones both come in, 
play prominent roles. I want to say Keandre Jones ended up with a sack and a half in this game. Shaq Smith ended up with a sack in this game. They were all over the field. You could see the athleticism. You could see the speed. There was a lot to like about, obviously, I mean, they shut this team out. Granted, it was Howard, but still, to hold any team to zero points, especially when you're, like you said earlier, when you're playing your second, third, fourth string guys, to be able to hold out for that Zero. I think they, they gave up less than 100 total yards. Total yards of offense, I want to say they gave up one yard of rushing. The entire game, one yard. Yeah, it's exactly what you want to see. There. You want to see a shutout like that where they can handle their reading the the offensive scheme as as well the your defensive quarter uh, defensive coordinator is able to make the play calls get them in quick enough to your defensive you know captain and be able to say here's the here's the defense you need to run to stop them make the adjustment if you need it because they were making some adjustments at the line later in the game as Howard was trying everything they could to try to put some points on the board right and they were just getting read like a book we won seventy nine to nothing. But have you noticed that there's somebody missing that we haven't talked about at all? The punt game? No. Is there a key player oh. that we haven't mentioned oh. at all in this yeah. game? Yeah. Ant. Yeah. So if I told you that Anthony McFarland, who we all talked about could potentially be a Heisman-type candidate, a Doak Walker Award candidate at the end of the year, if I told you Ant McFarlane was going to have 18 yards in this game, would you have believed we were going to win 79 to nothing? That just went in this year and out my head like... Right. 18 yards. And now, granted, again, they were playing cover zero early on. So they had the... I mean, everybody up on the line. And all it took was Ant McFarlane to make one or two guys miss, and he'd have had a home run every time. But what they what was different about the way that they used him is... I said this to Ryan when we were at the game. Last year, they used Ant McFarlane a lot in jet sweeps, and that's where he got a lot of his yardage, just was running around the outside of the line and, and taking them for big gashes. You didn't see that in this game. You saw him running between the tackles more, and you actually saw him running in goal line situations down in the red zone, which you hardly you ever see saw last year. Last year. Uh, so he got his two touchdowns early in this game, but he only had 18 yards, and then they took him out. And you didn't see him for the rest of the game. Then they brought in the the rest of the herd <laughs> uh, because they do. They've got a plethora of running backs there. Well, they got Fleet Davis and Funk out there. Tayon Fleet Davis, man, really showed me something in this game. I, I've I've been impressed with him since last year, but he was that guy that you typically saw in those goal line type formations. The guy that needed you know the power yards for the extra two or three. And he showed that power, but he also showed speed in this game, his athletic ability. I mean, he, he, he had a spin move in the middle of this game that made a guy look ridiculous. Tayon Fleet Davis, I mean, this, again, this whole stable of running backs that we have is insane. All right, so you brought, we, we brought up Ant, and I, I think we can't look ahead at the next game without talking about Ant McFarlane and what he plays, because I feel like this week was a little bit of a for lack of better terminology, I'll call it a bait and switch. Yeah. Because I feel like everything you were seeing, everything you were hearing was a high usage of Ant McFarlane, high usage of Ant McFarlane. And they do it a little bit and they do a lot of fake handoffs to him, which opens up the door and causes them. They're trying to not only stop Jackson, but they're trying to stop Ant McFarlane because that's what they knew. Right. So it opens up the door for all your wide receiving core and your tight end core. Do you think you kind of see 
this week against Syracuse, a little bit more use out of Ant McFarland as uh, the intended use? A thousand percent more usage. Okay. I mean, this is this is the game where you're going to really see what this team is made of. Syracuse is going to come in. They've got a dominant front defensive line. So we want to talk about the one thing that the area of concern being offensive line. This is going to be a serious test for the Terps offensive line. And then obviously that plays an effect as to how fast can just can Josh Jackson get rid of the ball. That's one, I guess, knock you could have on Josh Jackson. He's not the quickest of getting his release isn't right. very quick. Uh, so he's going to have to work on that, improve on that in this game. Ant McFarland's going to have to have a big game. He's going to have to run the clock more like that. There's going to be things in this game that weren't a factor, obviously, in game one, time of possession being one, being more efficient on offense. There's a lot of things that are going to have to, to be. I doubt Syracuse is running cover zero on them. This no, week. for sure. They're definitely <laughs> Period. not. But I, I tell you, th this team as a whole really, really impressed me. And you, uh, you, and, you and Ryan get into this into your Shell and Tell podcast, which I know you guys just released the latest version uh, this past week, this past Sunday, right? Yeah. So we just released our last, our latest episode, uh, episode four. We called it uh, Bison Burgers and Orange Crushes. Ooh. Get I like the, that. Uh, yeah. I, I get it. I get it. I so like check it. that out. If you haven't seen that yet, or if you haven't heard, it's just an audio podcast. Shell and Tell. You can find it on all your favorite apps out there. The Apple Tunes, the Spotify, the, what I say, Apple Tunes. It's not like an old man. <laughs> <laughs> it's them Apple Tunes. Apple Tunes them, or whatever. You know, and that computer thing that you them, got. Them Google. Them go is it Google or Google? Oh, uh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, my God, man. Uh, Any adjustments to the O-line this, this week? No, well, that's, that's their biggest question is they're going to have to make those adjustments. I think we We'll see. Uh, I can't think of the kid's name. The new freshman left tackle. I think he'll be starting this week because he was a difference maker out there. Uh, but I hope, again, to your point, I don't think they're going to be playing coverage zero. So I'm hoping we can see a more balanced attack. All right, Scott, it's time for some bros, bows, and o's. I'm all out of sorts, man. I feel like we're going out of order here because everything's all different. <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> My mind's all twisted like a pretzel. Ah, man. Well, look, coming into Sunday, or coming out of Sunday, I'm sorry, coming into Monday, Orioles 45-91, and 91, they, had a two, the two, they split a two-game series with the Nats and then lost two of three in Kansas City. Mm. But when you look at some of the, the, the highlights, you know, we... I'm probably the most guilty of the two of us that tends to look at the negative side of things. So we're going to flip the role this week. I'm going to look at the positive. Nice. hey -o. <laughs> We won that Kansas City. The one game we won was an absolute rout. Yeah. 14 to 2 in that game. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's led by Anthony Santander and his ability to play. When you look at that game. Uh, Friday, actually, it was it was a whole host of guys, but Anthony Santander played well. Hanser. That's the guy who had the big game. Hanser who, Alberto, <laughs> who you said what? I said from, you a defensive, said what? from a defensive standpoint, he should not be in the major leagues. I admitted two weeks ago, I admitted last week. From an offensive standpoint, yes, his bat's ready. but he His, his bat's more than ready. He's a top 10 hitter in the uh, American agreed, League. Agreed, agreed. But his... And, if you can if you can have him bat DH, I'm all for it. But you're a little clogged up at that spot. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, it got a little bit more clustered this weekend. It did. It did. <laughs> when you, you had Mark Trumbo finally coming in. Right. Uh, but Hanser goes five for six, two RBIs. Mancini, two for four. Severino goes four for six with three RBIs. Yeah. So they were just on fire. But I brought up Santander's name because I started looking at everything and I was like, this kid has been on fire. How on fire has he been? He is eight for 20 and has three doubles. Three home runs, nine RBIs. That's yeah. a 400 batting average. Santander is, I think, one of those diamonds in the rough. Like, I, kudos to, uh, oh my God. <laughs> we got to actually say kudos to Dan Duquette. I, this pains, is weird. It pains me. I don't like this. It pains me. <laughs> kudos to Dan Duquette because he he obviously saw something in this kid and he was right. I mean, look, he's, he's still kind of raw as an outfielder. He needs some work there, whatnot, but his bat. Seems to be the real deal. Yeah, it seems to be ready. His defense, like you said, his defense seems a little bit worse. But his bat is his defense is more ready than Hanser's. His bat <laughs> his is not is definitely as better than ready, Hanser. but it's still he's still doing well. He's still doing well with everything in that game. I, did you see Valar stealing? Yeah, home? <laughs> yeah. he almost gets picked off and then steals home. I, you know, I've never been a big fan of the whole stealing home thing. I mean, it's it's I guess when you're actually playing for something, maybe, but. Why? No, but Why? you know what? Going into this, I, here's what I want to see. You know what started it all with Buck? It was when they beat the Red Sox to push them out of the Oh, playoffs. that's different. If that if this would have been one of those games where it was like, oh, yeah, it's oh, against yeah, Kansas we're, City. We're, we're, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I just. They're not far behind us. <laughs> yeah, right. At this point. And the other thing that didn't make sense to me, and you brushed on it a second ago. Why did we care to have Mark Trumbo come up and actually get some at-bats at this point? Like, what is the value in having Mark Trumbo hitting in this lineup right now? Does he have a year left on his contract, or was this year his last I year? I think this is his last year. I just don't understand the value in it. You yeah, weren't going to trade no him or anything. Point. You know, it's not like you're going out there to try to win games because you're competing for anything. No, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense at that point. He comes in, but I'll give him credit. He did come in, and Brian Roberts, your your boy, Brian Roberts, mm -hmm. made a point on the on the the cast that he basically said, you know, a guy like Trumbo, he comes in, he's a he, Trumbo can be a professional hitter. He, he can hit well. I'm not saying that he can't be a good hitter. My problem is 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 right now you're going through an evaluation period. Agreed. Agreed. You're going through who's going to be with this squad, where are they going to be next year, where is everybody going to be starting next year. Mark Trumbo fits nowhere in those plans for the future. I don't understand why he'd be taking at-bats from anybody at this point. I thought they made that decision with Chris Davis because obviously Davis hasn't been playing, right? There's a difference so, between being injured and being stupid. Well, either way, the direction of the club is to evaluate the talent evaluate what you have and what's going to be a part of this future. And Mark Trumbo does nothing. So here's the only argument and that. it's to Brian Roberts point. What Mark Trumbo can come up and do it. And he's been, and they've talked about this and I've heard stories about this of him being and sitting there and talking to these guys on the bench. Mark Trumbo has been there during this whole injury stand all year long. He's been in these guys here. He's been cheering for him. He's been happy for him. He comes in and does that in his first game. Hits a double in the gap, perfectly hit. He took the outside pitch, took it the other way exactly as he needed to. That's the type of knowledge that it's that whole experience can sometimes be invaluable. Okay, but then keep him in the clubhouse where he has been as a positive 
voice or a positive influence in the locker room, I'm fine with that. But having him actually out on the field, I don't see the benefit. At, at to this it. point, I think it's more of a thank you for staying around and helping some of these kids, just to get a few at bats. Maybe be able, I to, guess. maybe be able to show and say, "Hey, you're going to be able to try and go get a contract somewhere because we're going to give you a few at bats," rather than you not having any at bats all year. Period. All right. So to that point, we talked about you know whether or not he should be playing for the future of this team and all of that. What do you think overall? we should be seeing from this team over this last month of baseball? Like, where, where do you see the overall direction of this club going for this last month? To your point, you, you got to evaluate talent. Um, the one thing I'm really, really, really unhappy with, there's very few decisions that I haven't, I, I felt this way about with Michael Elias. The decision that they announced, Mountcastle will not come up in September, supposedly, Suppose now we heard the same thing about. I don't Mullins. think they say it unless it's, it's true. Well, we heard the same thing about Mullins last year, though. They weren't going to bring him up premature. They weren't going to bring him up before he was ready. Da, da, da. Maybe they're looking and saying from a defensive standpoint, Mount Katzel isn't ready. That's been his biggest knock is his defense. We've never but we've never been able to get him. First, he was playing third base. Then we moved him to first base. There's been him playing the outfield a little bit. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe. But at the same time, I think you have to evaluate your talent. You need to evaluate. Hell, as far as I'm concerned with the way he's been playing, I'd love to see Adley Rutschman just come up here. I know and people are going to, you're going to, you might give me shit for this. Yeah. People are going to give me shit for this. But at this point, what does it hurt? I don't see. There's fine lines with like when you start a player's clock and all of that as far as like major league time and their their contract it's the contract, stuff, their contract I get, stuff. So I, I think that's what it more is. It's but how much more of a benefit would Ryan Mountcastle get coming up here and playing than he is at AAA, I guess, versus starting his clock. So I guess that's like the the balance that they're trying to figure He'd out. He'd be going against actual pitching. Right, and I get that. And that's <laughs> that's where I feel like he should be up here. And this was a kind of a surprising move. I think my instant reaction was the same reaction that you had. is like, why in the hell is September call-ups? Before September, I get it. But now it's September call-ups when the you're not wasting fans, anything. Why wouldn't you bring him up to take a look? Which at is him? my point with Adley Rutschman because that is the piece you don't. From my understanding, and I may be wrong on this, I'll I will have to go back and look. I don't think anybody's contract is affected in September, right? Including anybody in St. You could call up somebody from Aberdeen if you wanted to. <laughs> I, I don't I don't suggest it, but you can if you want to. But why not bring Adley Rutschman up even if for even if for a week. Even if for a week, just let him get in there. Pinch hit him. Right. Let him pinch hit. Let him catch a late game that you're getting blown out. See what he does. They're trying to win championships down in the minor league, Scott. <laughs> These guys are in the playoffs. Yeah, right. That's as, as we talked about before, priorities. Yeah. Where are your priorities? Are your priorities with winning a championship in AAA? Or is your priority seeing where your talent is at and being able to evaluate your talent for a championship at the major league level? So speaking of organizational <laughs> challenges, decisions, we didn't get a chance to talk about this last week really at all. But there was obviously the dispute that was been, that's been going on between the <laughs> Nationals and this. the Orioles and the whole Masson debacle. But did you hear that the uh, the judge upheld the uh, the, the arbitration, arbitration decision? Yeah, yeah. like it. So I all right. So here's my question to you: 
Well, explain it. All right, all right. So the arbitration that was that was given down and handed down, what the arbitrator said was that the Orioles owed the Nats uh, approximately, I think it was, there's two numbers come to mind. I want to say it was like 30 to 60 million, depending on on where the where they agreed on the, the date mark would be. Right. Um, obviously, the Orioles are going to try to go to the lower end of that. Right. Uh, but it has been upheld, the fact that they the Orioles will have to pay. This is now a federal judge saying, you have to pay the Nationals. You owe them this money, which you and I have talked about this. You and I make a contract with each other. If it's a bad contract for me and a good contract for you, that's on me. You signed it. You got to honor it. Exactly. And so, it, look, whatever. A judge is going to uphold it. I, I don't know. Maybe they try and take it further. I don't think. You, what are you going to do? Take it to Supreme Court at this point? <laughs> um, but it, at that point, yeah, you got to pay. We've talked about it before. The Suns are going to have an inheritance tax when Angelos dies. Right. Now you got to tack on to that a $60 million settlement payment that you got to pay out to the Nats. That's bringing up serious questions and serious rumors of potential sale of this team. Nashville's being rumored because one of the Suns lives there, but what do you, what do you think? We didn't talk about this, so what do you think? They've pissed more money away with Chris Davis than they are on this deal. <laughs> Honestly. They Agreed. So <laughs> I don't think that this, this deal is going to push them over the edge of trying to sell the team. I do think that conversations will be had, backdoor conversations. I don't think the Angelos kids are going to advertise that the team is for sale. But I do think there may be some open floor conversation about, hey, so – Hypothetically, if you were to buy the team from so him, we're looking for an investor. How, how much? <laughs> right. So I think there may be some just feelers out there as far as selling the team. I don't think that this team is going anywhere. This team's not going to move. Angelos, uh, the family is from the, the Baltimore, D.C. area. I do believe that they are f- not just ownership. This talk about the Suns, right. not just ownership, but I do believe that they they have a passion for this city and for the Orioles organization. But I do think that they're also businessmen as well. I, you know, so I do think that they've proven right. And I do think that they'll entertain offers, but I don't think anything will ultimately happen. They, they genuinely care. They, if they didn't care, they wouldn't have done the whole Orioles entertainment thing. They wouldn't be bringing in every Friday night. uh, The, the women of country music every Saturday doing some of the other uh, music stuff that they're doing. They're trying to figure out other ways to bring in revenue so that they don't have to even consider or entertain that idea. Right. And, and so here is my resolve. You don't sell the team. I think you go out and you get an investor in the team. Mm -hmm. uh, Just like, like they did when they actually bought the team, when Angelos bought the team. And I think the investor, the best investor, is right across the street. Bashadi? I think you go to Bashadi. Yeah. Well, I, I, I thought. Sh- sh- Bashadi has an interest. There is a good interest in Bashadi because we saw what happened and the relationship between the Orioles and the Ravens when both teams were in competition. I got one better for you. What about Kevin Plank? Kevin Plank has dumped too much money into Port Covington and is running under armor a little bit down the drain from everything I'm hearing. 
I mean, I've heard that too. That Under Armour is definitely not doing as good as they were five, six years ago. But, but to your point, there actually may be a conflict of interest there. Do you remember why? No. It's either 2020 or 2021. MLB will be turning to oh, Under right, Armour to Under Armour uniforms That's for right. uniforms. That's true. So there, there is a little bit of a of a potential conflict of interest there to, for him to have ownership of the team. I like where your head's at, but I I, I just I think where it, that how cool there. would that be? Another guy, a guy that obviously has born local, and bred in Baltimore, kind lo- of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Has all the local ties, and he bleeds and 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 loves the state of Maryland. But I do think that they'll entertain ideas like that, and I, I wouldn't be opposed to Bashadi being a part of that for sure. Yeah, there, there's one more thing that you you. Yes, I'm going to take. I completely <laughs> forgot about this. I, thank I, you, I, sir. I open this door for you. So thank you, sir. I get myself off the hook for even opening the door for so, you. You're welcome. Yeah, the Orioles finally, finally get it right and take my advice, or you know, definitely not Scott's advice, because Scott thinks that everybody should be paying attention to every single pitch that happens at every single game because nobody out there is too stupid not to. The Orioles will be extending the nets down each foul line to the foul poles. Yay! I have, I have one statement. Why don't we just put the game in a dome? That would cost too much money. (laughs) (laughs) And now it's time for the two minute warning. All right, Scott, this week's two minute warning is on you, my friend. I'm so like I got I got to push the button at the same time I'm talking. I forgot to do my gang signs of two minute warning. <laughs> it's too much to do. You don't <laughs> know what to do with I yourself. I don't know. Brian, come back. <laughs> Brian, come back. I need beers. I need drinks. I need you to do this. I can't do it. <laughs> oh, All right, Scott. Man. Your two minute warning. It starts now. The irrelevant Jets make a move and sign former Steeler Heinz Ward. Adam Gase feels this is a great addition and will really help out. I forgot to mention he's hired his full-time offensive assistant. Yeah, this team's going to make leaps and bounds now, let me tell you. Not. As much as it pains me to say this, Ward was a good player. Just not sure he's the one guy that can turn around the entire Jets organization. Just saying. ESPN's Adam Schefter is reporting the New England Patriots placed wide receiver Nikhil Harry, their first-round draft choice on injury reserve. This left an open spot to re-sign veteran Demarius Thomas. Sucks that Harry went down on this, but go figure. The Pats are able to pull Thomas back in somehow after going bye-bye. Oh, so they we don't, don't have want to go to the grocery store. <laughs> exactly. Jadavion Clowney officially signed his franchise tender last week, which enabled the Texans to then trade him to Seattle on Saturday for basically, you heard me say it earlier, a bag of peanuts. Those are some pretty good peanuts. The Texans turned around and then used that money to get Kenny Stills and Laramie Tunsil from the Dolphins. Interesting move here. Does it pay off more for Seattle or the Texans? Only time's going to tell. My money's on Seattle. (laughs) Novak Djokovic is a goddamn baby, Fred. He's a baby, my friend. For me, he's ranked number one in the world in tennis. At the U.S. Open this week, he was getting his ass kicked by Stan Wawrinka, who's beat him before. Novak, from the beginning, was sitting. He had some soreness in his left shoulder. After the fourth set... 
He decided to pick up his racket and go home. He was done. <laughs> Ridiculous. On Saturday, the Lehigh Mountain Hawks faced the St. Francis Red Flash. Late in the in the first, the Hawks forced Red Flash to punt. They subsequently destroyed the punter. Did you see this video? I'm not even going to be able to finish this story. Did you see the video of this uh, kid get destroyed? Yeah. It was Absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. All on the punter because he fumbled it like three times. Did you times. hear that? Like, I'm telling you, when, when you go into two-minute mode, you want to switch the camera back there, Scott? Come on, yeah, man. that might help. It's, I see. It's... <laughs> Oh, man. When you go into two-minute mode, you go up a whole octave. I do, man. I get, it's like you I got kicked going. in the nuts. I get going, man. I get going. <laughs> I get to get through the two-minute warning, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Before we sign off, man, we want to take a second to thank all the good people over at Sound United, the parent company of Polk Audio, Definitive Technology, Denon, Marantz, and Classe for sending us our Denon AHD 5200 headphones. Denon makes some of the most popular AV receivers, but, man, do they know headphones, too. These premium headphones sport ear cups made of real zebra wood, an exotic tone wood used on high-end acoustic guitars. This lends the AHD5200s a naturally warm, musical sound. You'll find Denon's free-edge drivers under the hood, a shining example of Japanese headphone engineering. Large dynamic drivers are suspended within a baffle system that lowers resonance. The drivers deliver healthy mids, smooth highs, and tight, potent bass. Just let your ears sink into the plush blended leather padding and enjoy music like never before. All right, Scott, sign us out of here. All right, man. You know what it is. Each and every week we tell you, you got to go after the show to www.birdlandbs.com. While you're there, check out all of our episodes. Make sure that you're learning about each of us. Contact us. And you guys were asking about it earlier. Go there to get your Birdland BS gear. Fred and I are both wearing it tonight. We're always wearing it. We're going to be getting some, getting some new hats soon to talk to some people out there. We're going to be getting those out there. Make sure you also check out BigPlay.com. We are partnered with Big Play. We're all over there. All the playmakers out there, they love it. They've been listening to us. Some of the Browns fans chiming in tonight. I love it. I love a lot it. of, lot of, of uh, rivalry going on now. Make sure you check us out on all of our social media accounts. Follow us through Birdland at Birdland BS. We're on uh, Twitter. Jeez, I can't even think. <laughs> we're on Twitter, <laughs> Instagram, YouTube, Snapchat. You name it, we're there. At Fred BLBS, at Scott BLBS. He's not here, but at bartender blake underscore underscore blake he is over there make sure that you use that hashtag that's blbs if you want to have your opinion or topic heard on the show we always try to fit you in make sure you check out the audio version of the podcast spotify itunes google Podcasts, whatever app you like to use for your podcast we're there and as always we appreciate you guys tuning in we'll be back next week with the new time 7 30 p.m eastern standard time Come join us, Fred, myself, IT Brian. We'll see you guys next week. See you.